And welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fegels. I'm Lance Meadow. I am ready to rock and roll, Jeff. Good. We're going to be here for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Have you tried that yet? I have not. I'll use you as the guinea pig, Jeff, and then you'll report back to me. And then I will... Report back to everybody else. How about that? Well, we are VIPs, so... Well, that goes without saying. There you go. Yes. 90464. 910... What's the 91... What's the new... Did you ever... Um, never mind. Never gonna... You sure? Yeah. Well, we can hash this out before no, we actually trying, get into uh, giant stuff. I'd be more it? than happy. Beverly Hills, 9... The, 90210. 90210. Yes. Okay, that's what okay. you were thinking. That's yes, the zip code for Beverly Hills. Yes. Okay. Were you a Brenda fan or a Brandon fan? From the show, or I, I never not allowed that. I just to remember. I, I never watched it. I just thought I'd throw out a question to see maybe if you were a fan of the show or you were just a fan of the zip code. The answer is I'm a fan of the zip code, okay. not the show. Gotcha. Okay. But it's supposed to be coming back, isn't it? It, it already came back. Oh, from already what I, was came back. I wouldn't know. I have not continued watching oh, sure, it. Yeah, Don't right. read into it. Nah, I'm being honest here. I did watch it growing up, okay? Now that we're spilling out all the skeletons in the closet. Who would have thought that we'd start off with Beverly Hills 90210 to start Giants.com? Big Blue King. Hey, it's been a crazy week. It has been a crazy week, so why not go in that direction? If you'd want to weigh in on the show and whether or not you grew up watching it, feel free to give us a ring at 201-939-4513. Or if you want to talk some Giants, you can call in for that, too. Something tells me our audience is not geared towards that subject matter. But once again, you never know. So, Saquon Barkley, both coordinators, spoke earlier today. We'll get into that, and we'll also look ahead to, obviously, the matchup between the Giants and the Buccaneers as Daniel oh, Jones a game this week. will be making his debut. From what I've been told, yes, there is a game, Jeff. It's fascinating. You would think that all of a sudden time stopped, given the news this week. Well, but sometimes you kind of hope it would, so they give Daniel Jones a little more practice time. Well, I'm sure that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have quite the game plan in store, especially with the way that, by the way, that defense is playing. Tampa well, Bay's defense has given up one touchdown in the first two games, and and opponents are 0 for 6 in the red zone. This is an extremely underrated defense. Not identical to Buffalo, but it's one of those defenses I feel doesn't get enough respect given how well that unit's been playing over the first two games. You know, and Todd Bowles is a defensive coordinator. Yeah. He probably knows a lot about this Giants team. That's a right? great point. And very young guys, and, uh, you know, it's not like this is an, old, an older team that he couldn't have shots at, at getting some of these players. He was evaluating a lot of these guys that are on the team these last two years, so he, he understands them. Todd Bowles is a better defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. Uh, I'll just say that. I don't no, I think that's well matters. documented, Jeff. I feel yeah. like you know he's back with Bruce Arians and you know back in the day when uh, they coached together. So, yes, they, Daniel Jones, that offense, is going to have uh, a little bit of work to do this week. It's going to be a tough go for them. They're going to be on the road um, going down to Tampa. You know, it's a shame because if you looked at Eli Manning's statistics against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, wow. Yeah, he's uh, done are, quite I looked at some those, damage. Yeah, some big damage. And um, But defensively, okay, I said this with John on Monday. Uh, Winston, Jameis Winston is kind of like one of these little angry giants with Bruce Arians. I mean, I think that there's a time when this guy's going to start to play well. We just hope it's not this week. But if, you're, if you are Jameis Winston... And you're Bruce Arians looking at this Giants defense. You're kind of looking at your chops a little bit. You should, yeah. The you ability should. to make right. big I'm plays against defense. I'm not telling you something you yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think that the secondary is going to have their hands full with these guys. Mike Williams, is he healthy? 
Mike Evans. Evans, excuse me. Yeah, Mike Evans. Just checking. He's ready to go. Just checking to make sure. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Oh, no. You are maybe. right. Mike Williams was battling injury. He's battling injury for the Chargers, though. Okay. Not necessarily the Bucs. I just checking yeah. if you know the NFL stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, you keep me but on my Mike toes, Mike Evans Jeff. is certainly healthy. It. Yes. Mike Evans yeah. is healthy. Chris Godwin is ready to go. Uh, O.J. Howard's been relatively quiet, but mm-hmm. you know well, they're guess waiting what? to get him more involved. Guess what position he plays? He plays tight end, <laughs> which I know exactly where you're going to go with that. Yeah, there's a lot of weapons. That's the point here for Tampa Bay. Just because their offense hasn't lit up the scoreboard doesn't mean that there's not the potential yeah. to do damage. And I agree with you 100% that Winston is getting more and more comfortable, I think, with Arian's offense. Sure. First week, he throws three interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns. Mm. The Thursday night game against the Panthers, Jeff, clean football. No turnovers, and they played much better offensively. He also had a much better performance as an individual. It just goes to show you that how good of a coach Bruce Arians is, especially at the quarterback position, you know, the old quarterback whisper, if you will. And he really understands how to get the best of these players. And I think that this was one of the reasons they hired this guy because of Jameis Winston needs a coach like Bruce Arians. And so. Um, you look at that and, and you kind of see how he did last week, and now you kind of have to game plan against him this week. I think for the Giants, it's, 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 it's so important that they go down there and, and, and get a win. I mean, get a win. 0-3 is tough. 0-2 is tough. And I will tell you this because we talked about this for the last six years. And then 0-2, except for the 16-year yeah, six uh, of the season, last seven, they've started 0-2. We've talked about this as the broken record. What do you got to do to cure a lot of this stuff and how you're feeling and the guys are down in the dumps and the fans are crazy and we know this team, get a win, just win. Win is like a vitamin B12 shot. <laughs> it just, you, you stick that thing in there and boom, you're like ready to go. You get that win and the guys can come back and especially on the road. Then you got a home game next week against a division opponent in the Washington Redskins. Get back to two and two. Woo, glass is always half full with Mr. Fegels. I can tell you that. Uh, I can tell really based is. on what you're throwing out here. Yeah, but. It's, it's a long ways to go. We've got a new quarterback starting this week. You're going to have some things that they're going to be throwing at him that he's going to uh, – you know that, that Todd Bowles likes to blitz, and so that offensive line is going to have to be able to pick that stuff up. Um, probably one of the reasons they went out and got another tight end, okay, a, a veteran, a guy that they think can play. is a little bit more 21 personnel, 22, whatever you want to say, that, you know, with the two the – two, um, and you can even go three tight ends if you want. We'll see. Well, you touched on what I thought was an interesting point, and I tweeted about this the other day, the fact that you have James Betcher was under Todd Bowles for two seasons on Mm -hmm. Arizona's coaching staff, and Arians was the head coach. This was 2013 to 2014. So who helped groom James Betcher? Todd Bowles. Who has a good grasp of Todd Bowles' system? James Betcher. Now, they've gone their separate ways since. They've added their own tweaks and their bells and their whistles. But I think there's familiarity on both sides. And what's going to be interesting, Jeff, is you've got Daniel Jones and Jameis Winston who have been going up against those defenses going back to training camp. And they're familiar with at least the setups. But who's going to have something that's a little bit creative to catch the other quarterback off guard? That, I think, is the game of chess that's going to be fascinating to watch on Sunday. That's an easy question to me. Um, and it's an easy answer. Excuse me. I, t- it's Tampa. Okay. Because I feel like Tampa has a more experienced defense. Okay. Um, they got JPP. A number of proven veterans. Though JPP sidelined right now. He is. Because yeah. of the neck injury. But they have a lot of veterans players on that and team. And Sue, okay. Vita Vea, Carl Nassib, Shaq Barrett. There you go. Plethora they, of weapons. They can, they can do a little bit things differently than this defense for the Giants. Because it's young. 
We've shifted, they we kind of have known and seen how they play. Yeah. Well, they have more proven commodities. There you go. Day. Yeah, I so think that's, that's the best that, way. That's to the it. answer to your question. Yeah. No, and I'm with you. Yeah. I just think though, you wonder is Betcher telling things to Shermer that he anticipates Todd Bowles is going to run, and then Arians and Bowles both have been with Betcher, so they have familiarity. I, I think it's just interesting with respect to the dialogue leading up to the game. Now, maybe it means nothing. Well, no, it, and, I, and maybe it doesn't lead to any positives or negatives. No, Who I knows? Think it means, I think it means something a little bit, but I think that the, both teams are going to go with their normal game plan and go and look at what this team is doing currently. And um, go from there, you know. I, but look, look for a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and but you know what? It's funny because Bruce Arians had said in his conference call on Monday, reading the transcripts, they don't really care about Daniel Jones. They care about Saquon Barkley. We're going to try to stop him and then make Daniel Jones throw the football. That's that's their simple game plan right there. And it now, should be their game now. Plan. How simple is that? Uh, you got you're going to have to get eight in a box and stop Saquon. Okay. Um, and if they can do that, then then it'll work. Well, they did it against Christian McCaffrey last Thursday that's night. Right. They held him to 53 total yards on yeah. 18 touches. And that's that Thursday night stupid game. You know, I mean, why don't does, you tell us how you truly feel about it, Jeff? Does that happen? Does that happen on a <laughs> Sunday when you have full rest and the team is ready to play? I mean, everything gets thrown to the wayside on those Thursday night games. I swear, everybody's tired. Well, the Nobody wants to different. play them. Um, there's stupid, those those color rush uniforms that they used to wear. <laughs> Catch I mean, up what else mustard. are they going to put on Thursday night? We're going to have a circus sooner or later. In well, hey, I'm all for the dog and pony show. I don't know about you. You know, tonight is Thursday night, so well, we'll see. So Maybe lucky. the circus is in town. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, who's playing tonight, anyways? Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, great! An AFC South battle royale. Yeah, that'd be a great game. Super. No, but you're right about the quick turnover. Yeah, turnaround. And that I does make say. a difference. Yeah. It especially, does. It certainly makes a difference. Especially to a guy, uh, McCaffrey, who gets a lot of the carries and gets a lot of action. Even though I know he's a young guy, but he still it takes a toll on your body coming in and getting ready to play for Thursday. Well, I mean, he had also over 200 total yards in the week one matchup. They fed the beast. <laughs> so you can understand, yeah, that's probably why he wasn't 100%. But at the same time, Jeff, it is important to give the Bucks defense credit because no, I will. this is what they did. And you and I had this conversation during the pregame show on the Giants radio network before the Bills game. We pointed out in the keys to the game, Buffalo is great at batting balls at the line of oh scrimmage, my goodness. right? Oh, and then I got to tell you, I got to give kudos to you on that one because I'm telling you, we're in the press box. I'm sitting next to the Tino and, and you know, batted ball after batted ball. And I said to, to Dots, I said, you know, Lance made a great point in our pregame show. He said this, they did five batted balls against Sam Darnold the week before. The and Jets. Sam Darnold's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right? And they did it again against Eli. And guess what? They got an interception out of one yeah, of them. Trent Murphy. Um, so, you know, that's a way, even though that this doesn't always dictate into a turnover, but it's certainly you have an opportunity. And by the way, the Giants got a couple batted balls too. Yeah. And they didn't fall in his way. And, you know, that's just kind of bad luck. But I feel like when you're not a very good team, sometimes those things just don't happen for you. Of course. It's also about being in the right place at the right time. There is certainly luck involved. But the reason I bring that up is, well, now you get a Bucks team, Jeff. I watched the majority of that Carolina game Thursday night, and what were they effective in doing? Getting their hands up in the passing lanes, disrupting Cam from even dumping it off to Christian McCaffrey for a screen pass. So you've got a lot of the similar principles that yeah. I think are going to be showcased by the Bucks 
that the Bills did. Why? Because it's a copycat league. Of and Todd Bowles is going to look at the film yeah. and he's going to say, hey, guys, look at what Buffalo did. They didn't always get home for the sack. But you know what? In route to getting to the quarterback, they put their hands up. They batted balls. They got it up in the air. So yeah. I would expect a very similar game plan from that perspective. Seems to be kind of a, a, an interesting teaching point for these defensive linemen. If you uh, yeah. a, a different way to, to affect an offense if you can't get pressure somehow or you're trying to always get pressure. We know that. But if for some reason you don't think you can get there, get in the throwing lane. Get your hands up, you know, and maybe that's kind of a point of emphasis for some of these defensive line coaches in trying to teach these down linemen to do that because it works. 100%. Two other quick points I want to make before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. You alluded to this when you were talking about what Bruce Arians mentioned in his conference call. I also listened to his presser when he spoke to the local Bucks media. And he was talking about, we're not going to change our defensive game plan. We're preparing for the Giants' offense. It's a new quarterback, but Pat Shermer's not changing his scheme. Correct. They expect Daniel Jones to run what Eli Manning and company have been practicing with throughout camp. But there is the mobility factor yeah. that you can't just dismiss. However, I thought Saquon Barkley had a very interesting comment when I was just in the locker room, Jeff. And he said because he was asked about RPOs, run pass option plays. And he says, what you have to understand is on an RPO, that doesn't mean the quarterback's running the ball on every single one of those plays. There's the threat of the quarterback running the ball, but that doesn't mean that Daniel Jones is going to run. So I think the philosophy is you implement RPOs and all of a sudden the quarterback's run and run and running. I would find it hard to believe, Jeff, that Pat Shermer in Daniel Jones's NFL debut is going to put him in a position where he's going to expose him to a high volume of hits as he's just getting used to the speed of regular season action. Makes I'd be sense. very surprised if that happens. Yeah, I, I think there'll be a couple plays that are that are tailored to him. Absolutely. And the mobility is there, and the mobility is going to be there in a, in in an essence that it's if it's something breaks down. He's going to be able to get out of the pocket a little bit, probably faster and quicker than Eli. And that's fair. Um, You know that the Giants have designed plays, rollout plays. Okay, we did them with Eli. If you can do them with Eli, you can do them with Daniel. Those will stay in the repertoire. Okay, but the RPOs are just, you know, that's the NFL today. And, you know, I think I mentioned this to somebody. I don't know if it was on the show or who I was talking to. When you really think about the quarterbacks like Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, um, who's some of the other guys there? Philip Rivers, these true pocket passers. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. They're a dying breed. Okay, so it's the, the league is an RPO league. Okay, and 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 it's it's mobility, and it doesn't mean that every every offense in the NFL is running like like the Ravens are doing. Okay, with Lamar Jackson. Or exactly, but there is a there there's an identity that you have to put on an offense, and now these quarterbacks are a little bit more mobile. That's what you're going to see out of the Giants' offense. You're going to see a little bit more creativity in plays that Eli wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, and Barkley even mentioned we ran RPOs with Eli Manning. He yes, said. They, absolutely. It, it wasn't as if they didn't have that in the playbook. There, that's a good so, answer because you know what? He's spot on. Obviously, of course. he runs the plays. But if you're yeah. if you have been watching the games, they they're there. They're, they're there. 100% they, they, they there. They probably just look a little bit different because Eli's running it. Exactly. And that's really the main difference. But to expect Pat Shermer to be creating a completely new offense in the span of three or four days, I think is taking it to an extreme that is quite ridiculous. One thing before we get to the callers. Um, 
about Daniel Jones. Now, let's let's go back a little bit and just kind of understand some things that are that's going to happen here. So, number one, we we saw how he played in preseason, which is very vanilla, very vanilla defenses. He's not. This isn't something he doesn't know. All right. The other thing that I want people to look at and understand that when when Daniel Jones was in college, okay, he very rarely, if if any, took snaps underneath the center. Okay, he's going to have to do that on Sunday. And he did it in preseason. He's done it at practice. I want you to look at that, okay? Because the game is sped up a little bit, and things that's just a little bit different for him in a game, real game situation, a regular season game under center. He had a he had a problem holding on to the football during the preseason. Those are the other things you have to look at, okay? And so I don't want everybody to think that since number eight is coming into this offense now that everything is going to be completely. It's unbelievable what, what the the transition that's going to happen. He is a rookie. He played at Duke. He's coming into the NFL in his first regular season game. Things are going to go wrong. So get used to it. But there's going to be you know, a breaking in period, and he's going to have to come overcome some of these things. We did see some of this stuff in the preseason. We saw him run a two-minute offense. We saw him run, uh, come back on a play where he fumbled and then came back and threw a touchdown pass. So we know adversity. he can play through adversity. Um, something that I talked about, about um, DeAndre Breaker, a guy that really never had to play through adversity at the University of Georgia because he was an All-American and only gave up one big play all his life there. These are kind of things that happen to young players, but we did see in Daniel Jones, he was able to overcome that. He's going to have to overcome some of that adversity going forward. Well, and with Baker, which I think is a great point, also you go from being a guy that is like Darrell Revis, where they're just going to avoid you and yeah. they're going to target the other yeah. corners, and now all of a sudden you're the rookie and, and they want to avoid Janoris Jenkins yeah. and they're going after you. That's so right. life comes at you fast in the <laughs> National Football League. There's no doubt about it. Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels with you here. Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff live Antonio is in Manhattan and he gets us going on the latest edition of BBKL what's happening Antonio hey what's going on guys is everything going I hope everything is good I'm uh, very excited about the quarterback change this is something that I've been wanting to for for a few years now um well you got it Eli yeah Eli is just you know I think I, I appreciate everything he did for us but I think it's time for Eli to go um I want to say that yes I think that we have a better chance right now with Daniel Jones because even though, yes, it's not going to be a brand new playbook, but he does open up different things that we're not used to. And, you know what I'm saying, that's something that I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see sure. the different types of of uh, RPOs that is run with Daniel Jones that cannot be run with Eli Manning. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the other thing you're going to get excited about. He's going to throw the ball down the field, okay? He's yeah. got the arm to throw the ball down the field. Um, my philosophy is that I think there's a real reason why these tight ends are here. Um, I, I believe that there's going to be some max protection and, and, and the deep ball is going to come into effect. I think that's just, I, let's I, see if it I happens. Agree. I hope so. Well, and the key is for guys also to win their individual battles no down question. the field to get open too. Remember it's, uh, meet me halfway type of philosophy. The quarterback's got to be protected, look down the field, and then the individuals need to win their battles. So it goes both He's ways. He's going to be able to to buy also more time than you know than than you obviously Eli Manning you know it's I think in my opinion the problem with Eli was that it was too easy to game plan against him 
I thought it was just, you know, you don't have to, you know, necessarily send anybody to, to against Eli. You could just send the four down linemen. Mm-hmm. And Eli, you know, and then Eli's not going to get out the pocket. And if he does, it's, it's you know, linemen are going to be able to chase him down. It's not going to be like they're not going to be able to chase him. Well, but keep in mind, and, Antonio, in the preseason, they did chase Daniel Jones down, too. Remember, he was sacked and lost a fumble. So, you know, oh, it's will, not as he if. He will be because he's not Michael Vick and he's not, you know, yeah. any of these, like, quarterbacks, the quarterback from Arizona or Lamar Jackson, you know, he's not that fast, but he's still going to be able to buy a little bit more time than he will. And that's what I'm excited about. And then the, my last point is on defense. James Betcher has not gotten enough attention. And I believe he's in the hot seat, honestly, just because, think about it, James Betcher has a whole different new staff now, and he hasn't been able to produce one more time. And I just feel like we gave James Betcher the benefit of the doubt because he had this elite defense or a really good defense, top 10 defense in Arizona. But the man who really designed that defense is right now across the field. And I just think that, in my opinion, Betcher should be on the hot seat. And it's either put up or shut up now for Betcher. Um, one thing that I didn't know and I was really mad about was the fact that Baker doesn't jam people on the line. But Baker never jammed people on the line in college either. I saw some college highlights, and I was like, man, this guy just plays press without actually pressing. That's his M.O. And I was like, man, the Giants already know this, so it's not like he's messing up. The Giants knew this already, and it's time for the Giants to just make things happen. And it's time for Betcher to make things happen, in my opinion. He needs to show us that his defense is really about something. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. That's my point, guys. Okay. That's a great one. All right, Tony. Appreciate the phone call. I think with 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 Betcher is that, in my opinion, for what it's worth, um, I think you kind of got to retreat back to uh, basics and just kind of maybe just kind of simplify things a little bit for these guys, and then take baby steps back up into uh, into getting a little bit more complex. Um, because I feel like good coaches adapt to their players and their personnel, even when things are going wrong. You, if you um, if you're going to continue to put in your defense and the things are still continuing to, to not go right, then that's a little bit of narcissism. If you ask me, you got to kind of come back and you got to say, okay, guys, we're going to, we're just going to simplify things here. Then we're going to build on that. And maybe if you have to go back for defense and play the two deep and just not let anybody get over the top of you and give everybody in things underneath and, you know, um, do it. But I feel like those guys need to, a little bit of a calm down, but just simplify things and you guys go out and play and react. Well, the big debate in the National Football League, whether it be on the offense or the defensive side of the ball, Jeff, is always as a coordinator, do you stick to your scheme, which is what you were just saying, and say, hey, the players are going to have to buy into the scheme, period. That's my philosophy because my scheme has worked and I know it's effective. Or do you say, okay, this guy doesn't necessarily fit ideally into my scheme. Let's cater the scheme to the strengths slash weaknesses of our players. I understand that, but I I feel like uh, some guys are a little bit ignorant to the idea that when you don't have a Chandler Jones or you don't have a Patrick Peterson or Or you don't have a Tyron Matthews and you don't have these guys that that were down there with Todd Bowles and with James Betcher, um, you just can't just teleport. They're not here. Yeah. So and, And if you had players like that, I would be happy as a clam. I could be telling you right now, like, is Jabril Peppers like the honey badger? Or is, is you know, is DeAndre Baker like Patrick Peterson or anything? I mean, no. So is Chan- where's the Chandler Jones of this cha- of this defense? In fact, if I was to ask you, Lance, I don't know if you would have the answer. What the, What is the identity of a James Betcher defense for the Giants? Not for the, pack, for the, for the Arizona Cardinals. We kind of knew it. Get after the quarterback, pressure, good corners, good safeties. I don't know what that is for the defense. Is this defense, what is it? (laughs) 
Well, my answer would be what you just laid out. I think that's been the staple of a James Betcher defense slash Todd Bowles defense. Trying to Aggressiveness, get to. good cover people on the back end. But to your point, if you don't have the personnel to meet that criteria, then it really doesn't matter at the end of the day what the identity of the <laughs> unit is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they need to find one sooner or later. And, and, and whatever it is that they can do well, they have to continue to do that well, whatever it is. Um, but whatever you're not doing bad, I think if they try to improve on those and then try to – a semblance of a defense getting better week to week. You know? Well, and as far as the caller's point, listen, it's stating the obvious. I think the defense is on notice. It's well documented, Jeff. No they've given up nine touchdowns. They've given up nine touchdown drives of at least 70 yards. So, you know, anybody who's watched the first two games, James Betcher included the players, they know. Nine touchdowns. The performance has to improve drastically. 70 yards. Yeah. Well, aside from the yards, immediately in my mind, you know what goes to my mind immediately? That's time of possession. Big time. Right. Wearing down the opposing defense. Nine drives over 70 yards. Each one of those drives has got to be at least five minutes. Well, a lot of the Cowboys ones were extremely lengthy. I mean, I'll bring up the, the time and the breakdown, but you know, if you're holding on to the ball and you're going consistently down the field, Jeff, 70 to 80 yards, unless you have one big 50-yard play, which granted the Bills did with Cole Beasley, yeah. More often than not, you're milking the clock. And what's the difference is, though, this goes back to the offseason conversation, by the way, we had with the Giants. And a lot of people who listen and interact with us, and we certainly always appreciate that, the debate about, well, time of possession needs to improve, Jeff, right? Because if you hold on to the ball, you're going to rest your defense. Well, if you don't score... I don't care how long you held the ball for. (laughs) The difference is the Cowboys and the Bills, not only are they holding on to the ball, Jeff, they're scoring. So... One drive for the Cowboys, 447. Another one, 459, 643, 111, because there was a pretty quick drive there. And then the one finally with Zeke when he ran in was 359. So on average, we're we're talking about four minutes, right, for the most part. And then if you look at what Buffalo did, and Buffalo also put together a number of lengthy drives during the course of their game. Well, they had one 98-yard drive. Where Antonio Hamilton had the great special teams play. So they had one for... Let's see, 224. No, I checked that. That was the Giants. 546, 415, 426, 603. So their drives, you could argue, were lengthier than the Cowboys. Yeah, even yeah. almost five minutes. Four, four and a half minutes on average mm. for all nine of those drives. You know, Tom used to tell us all the time in our special teams meetings on Fridays, he would come up, he would have a stat meeting. And he would go over every every offense, defense, special teams, and some of the categories. He did this while you were in the pool, right? He was in the, that's no, when the meeting. No, I actually right? was in the meeting room this oh, time. Oh, you are yeah, okay. Is, I thought that was, everybody surrounded you. This was Friday in the pool. when everybody was supposed to be in the meetings. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you have a punt that's inside the twenty yard line, the chances of the team going on to score this is inside the twenty is 11 percent. Inside the ten, it drops down to six percent. And the score, like a, that's a, it's a touchdown yeah. or a field goal, whatever it is. So meaning when you put a team in a position, you're saying that they have to go 98 yards to score you're, or so. I, I would say inside the five is probably now going to be well, up there in 96%, then... 97%. So, so that, that, would, that would just kind of, you know, this is what Tom used to do. He used to, to build the case. Yeah. Now remember, Tom Coffin been in football a long time, way before analytics ever came along. And this was his analytics. This was years ago that he used to tell us, listen, the other thing that used to happen to us that I didn't like is that in the first half, if we had turned the ball over two times, he used to tell us, if you're on the road and you turn the ball over on the road more than two times, you have a 90% chance of losing. 
<laughs> so I'm sitting on the bench going, oh, we're not winning this game. <laughs> <laughs> because you look it up and like, oh, we already hit two. We're screwed, essentially. No yeah. We might as well just go home now. <laughs> just pack up the bags. Let's get on the flight early. Oh, but those are the kinds of things you used to tell us. And I would be sitting on the sidelines remembering those things and going, hmm. We're in trouble now because this is like a 97% chance that we're going to lose this game because we already have three turnovers. You know? Well, and there's validity behind that. Just like we talk about turnover differential yeah. dictates wins and losses. It does. It really does. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Tony in D.C. Tony, welcome aboard to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What Hello, Tony. Hey, gents. Thanks for taking my call. You're just the two guys I wanted to talk to. Well, you got Sounds us. good. We aim to please. So, what do you have? Thank you. Thank you. So, so us three, we spoke last summer right after preseason before the regular season. The reason why I bring that up is because um, we were talking about how Gettleman was scouring the waiver wire and how that wasn't good because, you know, the depth wasn't great for the 2018 roster. But ultimately, and I don't agree with everything that Gettleman and Sherman does, don't get me wrong, but ultimately, all summer long, everyone called up the show saying that that 2018 season was going to be a make-or-break season for Eli. Let me t- and let me get into why. On defense, he brought back all the high-dollar players that Jerry Reese had hired. You know, Snacks, Jack Rabbit, and OV. You still had Landon Collins. You still had Eli Apple. You still had Dalvin Tomlinson. He brought in B.J. Hill and Lorenzo Carter. On offense, I'm sorry, on special teams, Rosas was expected to mature, and he did. He, he went, made the pro ball, and I think all pro and all that. On offense, you passed on a on a quarterback and got Saquon. Okay, fair enough. You you, brought, you paid um, Odell Beckham Jr. You brought back Sterling Shepard. You brought back Evan Ingram. You paid Nate Soldier a fortune. You drafted Will Hernandez. I mean, so 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 for people to call up and say, well, he's not that Eli hasn't been given a shot. I'm not saying all the plays worked out, but sometimes it just doesn't work. I mean, we all we talked about that all last summer. That 2018 was a big season for Eli, and, and they, look, they won five games. They lost the last three. And if you look at the beginning of this season, they're five and 24 in third down conversion. Mm-hmm. No quarterback is surviving that. Five and 23, I mean, but who's counting anyway? <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. five and 23. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, and and this is a matter of necessarily blame. People keep trying to find something to blame. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But how can you say the Giants haven't tried, especially in 2018, to, to, to field, a comp, field a competitor? And, and, like, and, and here's, a, here's a stat that, that kills me. So the Giants right now are, um, over, since 2017, are 8 and I think 28 and 28, something like that. And the Browns are like um, 9, 27, and 1, you know, you know mm-hmm. in, in that regard. Anyway, the Browns have more wins than us in 2017. The Browns won 0-16 in 2017, and today, over that same period of time, they have more wins than the Giants. Mm-hmm. Come on. No one is surviving that. So I don't get all of this, oh, if only this, if only that. No one is surviving this. So I say all that to say I do get it. I grew up watching Patrick Ewing. When he left New York, I was devastated. Now, I don't. Now I was a kid. I don't get how you're 50, 60 years old, devastated. <laughs> But, well, you, <laughs> well, people are emotionally do, tied to yeah. individual athletes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's startling. I do get it. I yeah. do get it. But, but, but all I'm saying is, it's like, look, let's not make this any uglier than it has to be. Every, everyone around the league believes that Giants did all they could to be supportive of their franchise guy. And I'll close in saying this. Even though Eli might not be the greatest player in Giants history, that's still probably Lawrence Taylor. I get that. 
in my humble opinion, he is still the greatest giant of all time. And by that, I mean the whole package sure. from top to bottom, side to side. Maybe YT Tittle and YT Tittle and him could battle it out. Okay. But I think he's he's the greatest giant of all time. Well, but, listen, I, I just enjoy it, and let's watch the new guy. Thank Thanks you, Tony. Guys, love the show. All right, Tony, appreciate the call. I, I don't think I, you can't just. I mean, listen, he's definitely in the conversation for that. I mean, why not? There's going to be people that think he is, and that's great. Um, I, there, he certainly is one of the best that's ever played for the Giants, and I think a lot of people would argue in favor of that. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, I'm in my 50s, but I, I don't remember why he tittle playing. I don't remember. Maybe Tatino does. Um, <laughs> well, even if Tatino wasn't alive, he'll still remember him. But, but I, I think that, you know, so that's an argument you have. And, and listen, this team is young. Uh, some of these guys that Dave Gettleman brought in last year and this year, um, you know, the guy's got to play better. These guys got to get better. And this team will eventually get better if those guys mature and start playing the way that they are supposed to because of how they were drafted. As far as the last caller's point about 2018 and, and bringing back a lot of playmakers, I don't disagree with any of that. But remember, it's all about results, right, Jeff? That's what tells the whole story. I could give you a laundry list of great players. Yeah. If they don't make stops, if the performance is not where you think it is, it doesn't matter how glowing the roster look like. And the reality of 2018 is, even if you go back and you look at that season, the most telling number is they scored the most points in the NFC East. But the defense also gave up the most points. So <laughs> as great as the quarterback is, whatever the quarterback is, he still needs to rely on the defense and he needs to rely on the special teams. And and what I just can't stand about the narrative and looking backwards, looking forwards, whatever it may be, is stop treating the quarterback as if he's on an island. If you're going to evaluate why things didn't work out, then tell me the whole story about the team. I sure. don't want to just hear about, Jeff, what the running game did, what the passing game did. You look at the team last year as a whole, there were shortcomings across the board. It sure. didn't just circulate around the quarterback. And the same thing can be said, Jeff, about the first two games this season. Yeah, and I, but I believe, you know, Dave Gettleman came out in the offseason and said, you know, he's our quarterback. Eli's our quarterback. Why is he your quarterback? Okay, well— if we look back at the 2018 season, this defense gave up a lot of leads in the fourth quarter that actually Eli was playing that they had a lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, we could probably easily say those five those five wins that the Giants have, we could probably go up to eight. I think you could get three more of those. You mean if you play the coulda, woulda, shoulda yeah, game type of yeah. thing? Well, the Colts and the Cowboys game at the end of the season, they had leads late in the game. And remember, the Colts and the Cowboys scored late go-ahead scores. So let's, okay, let's just give, let's give two. So there's seven wins, all right? So... I think there was the notion that, okay, listen, we're getting better offensively, um, and that's why we believe that Eli can still get us to that next level. If they had went 1-15 last year, I think that it would have been a little bit different, okay, because then it would have been a lot like kind of how things are going now that the game, just the team is, was, is not good enough, um, and then they would have maybe did something different, but that's all in hindsight. The fact of the matter is, is that going forward, this team now is going to have to play better, they're going to have to understand that this is now in a rebuilding situation, in my opinion. I don't. You can call it rebuild. I call it a rebuild. I call it a retool, whatever you want to do it. This is now to the point where they're going to have a lot of young guys playing and knowing going into the games that, they, they're, that they're going to struggle until they can kind of build this team back up. And start. Listen, maybe next year's the year that the Giants get a draft pick in the top five or ten, and they also go out and try to fix you know this defense somehow, some way. I think the offense has got is way ahead of the defense right now but to your point you got a lot of young players yeah, uh, no across question. the board for the most part and with young players comes growing pains yeah and i'll tell you one thing that's going to help daniel jones if they can do it the Giants' special teams are good 
They have good core special teams guys, okay? Um, they have good specialists. And one thing that can help Daniel Jones is if your special teams plays well. Kickoffs, kickoff returns. If the Field ball's position. in the end zone, don't run it out and get it on the 18 and put your rookie quarterback out there. Take the ball in the 25, okay? If you got to get to the 30 and punt, then at least you get the ball past midfield and, you know, to get the other team. So play the position, the field position game. Um, the other thing is you got a kicker that can make field goals. So get them some long field goals that you get points on the board like you do. If you got these great drives, but you come out of nothing, use your special teams. Use your field goal kicker. Get, get them kicking some 51-yard field goals, uh, something like that. But I know the other side of it is, well, do you want to give them on the ball on the 41-yard line? If but, you miss. But I still think that side. a positiveness is that if, you, if he is backed up and you drive down and you get three points from a drive, that's a good, that's a good drive. That's a good sequence. You know, and you come off feeling good about yourself. It can be an asset. Essentially. Yeah, that yeah. that's really what you're laying out there, Jeff. And you don't want your special teams to put your young quarterback and your offense overall. Okay, not yeah. just the quarterback in yeah. a precarious position. Yeah, that's right. that's, that's right. what it is at the end of the day. Let's head back to the lines. Atticus is in the Poconos. Atticus, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? Hey guys, great show. It's good Thanks to for talk tuning to you again. Thank you. Um, I want to cover a couple of topics, and one of the things, real quick, that. Ben McAdoo, I know I'm going back a little bit, but what he used to say, and I think that the Giants haven't done this season so far, he used to say we need to do the simple better or master the simple, something like that. Okay. And I think sometimes with blown assignments, and I understand that we're trying to develop probably four to six rookies each week who are starting on our team and mistakes are going to happen. But there's, there were assignments that were just completely blown. I think DeAndre Baker just completely vacated his spot on a, a cover three <laughs> defense, and somebody was wide open down a field, turned into like a 40-something-yard play. Like, we need to just do simple better. That's right. Um, That's a good term. I, you know, and I think we can, and I think that there's going to be some growing pains when you got rookies playing. But uh, sometimes it's painful to see that stuff happen, you know. It's very painful. To, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, very it's painful. painful. It is. You know, I've been a season ticket holder for a number of years, and I can't tell you when I've stayed past third quarter for a while. It's been it's been tough. But I just wanted to touch on on touch in on uh, Eli Manning. Um, what a class act this guy's been. Just a, a, a great representative for our yeah. team and the organization, the NFL, not just the Giants, but the NFL. And there are many times when, I mean, he has been the scapegoat for the oh. New York sports media, national media, for too many years in situations where it really wasn't his fault. I mean, if you think about how many times he and the offense, I won't just put it on him, but he and the offense have led our teams to regain the score in the fourth quarter only for the defense to fail us again in the last few years. You, you probably lose count after 10. And then how many times has he had to deal with an offensive line that Alabama could have destroyed? How, how many times has the play calling been uh, something that didn't put us in the best position to win a game? And, and I tell you, Jeff, I've heard you, heard you talk about it all the time. Why do you need eight yards to go and you're throwing a two-yard slant? You're not <laughs> throw the ball past the sticks and you don't see some of the plays that's been designed to do that. So I just wanted to say that it's really cool to have been able to, to watch Eli Manning in the years that he's played. And, and some of these things that I've talked about, I really think that the organization, the coaches, the former GM, 
did more to hurt Eli's legacy than to help him because he's still going to the hall, but he probably won't be first ballot because of some of the issues that he's had to deal with as our quarterback. Well, good stuff. That being said, yep. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no go, go, yeah, ahead, go ahead, Atticus. What was done. your last point? Yeah. Okay. That being said, I think that uh, the timing was a little different and weird with uh, uh, Daniel Jones being our starter only because they invested so much money into Eli. I thought they'd wait a little later in the season, but I, I get it. I get the whole reason sure. why they're doing it now. 14 games as opposed to eight, seven, whatever it would be, is going to be great for the development of this year on quarterback. But what a great situation for him to be in. Think about this. You guys talked about Saquon Barkley. He's going to be the focal point for Bruce Arians. They're going to try to shut him down. This can create some tremendous opportunities for Daniel Jones to show why. And not that he didn't show in preseason, but preseason's preseason. Not that he didn't show it, but this will prove to be a great opportunity for him with a, a generational talent at, at running back with Saquon Barkley. I, for one, think that our deep, our offensive line is playing very well to this point, and they're sure. still growing yeah. together. So the chemistry that they need to be a, a really stout and premier offensive line is still is still being developed. But you see, in the, the only two games so far this year, they are light years ahead of where we've been sure. in the past. So I think this is a great opportunity for Daniel Jones to come out, and he'll make some mistakes, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a train wreck that some people in, in the media would like to say that it could possibly be, even with Bowles on the other side of the sideline and his blitz packages and the things that he likes to do on defense. I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that whole thing. All right, well, we'll let you go on that note, Atticus, and appreciate the phone call. I would agree. I, I think you're putting Daniel Jones in a situation where – you know, he doesn't necessarily have to run for his life. He's got a strong offensive line. He's got Evan Ingram. He's got Saquon Barkley. Sterling Shepard is expected to come back from a concussion. So, you know, he's got weapons, Jeff, around him. This well, is not—I brought this example up on Tuesday's show. This is not where you're putting a quarterback behind the line and he could potentially be sacked 60 to 70 times like David Carr went through, the former Giant, yeah. when he was with the Houston Texans. So that at least is somewhat encouraging for a young quarterback to know, hey, I've got something to work with here. Yeah, I, well, you're going to have a you're hopefully going to have healthy receivers. I mean, Golden Tate's coming back in two weeks, a uh, week and a half now. So, I mean, yeah. you're getting closer to that. Um, you have a healthy uh, Evan Ingram, uh, Saquon Barkley, and then your receiving core. So, unfortunately for Eli, he didn't really have the healthiest receiving core that's going. He had Evan Ingram basically is who he had to throw to and dump the ball down to Saquon. Um, but this offensive line, remember this. Eli's been taking first team reps with this offensive line the whole offseason and pre training camp in the first two weeks. There's going to be a little bit of breaking in period for the offensive line and Daniel Jones too. remember this. If you remember the way that, that Nate Solder played the first half of the season last year, getting used to the to the depth and how Eli Manning played coming from Tom Brady, it was a big difference. And after those after those eight games, they kind of settled in and I think things got better for him. He was also not healthy, too, exactly. dealing with the neck injury as well. So, so I feel like, you know, the offensive line will have a little bit of a, a breaking in period with Daniel and, you know, cadence, snap counts, um, uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they get some work in practice. But, um, you know, listen, the thing about Eli, he's an ambassador to the NFL, an ambassador to the Giants, and an ambassador for the game of football. He really is. He always says the right things. He, he always takes the high. I mean, he just never throws under anybody under the bus. He does the right thing. He's a classic individual, just a good, good person um, with a great career. And listen, you never know in the National Football League what things can happen. 
And you know what? You got to be, as a Giants fan, you got to be happy that you got number 10 at the number two slot now because you never know what can happen here. You never know. And I'm not wishing anything on no, anybody. No, but you can't predict but, the injury but, bug but or anything else. Look what happened yeah. last week to Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. Okay, Who saw that? Injuries happened at this position. And a lot of teams just aren't so lucky to have a quarterback play 16 years, basically, without missing a football game, other than the stupid one two years ago. So, anyway. No, I think you bring up a very good point. That's why for everybody that says, you know, this is it, it's over, you never know how the rest of the season is going to play out. The, the Saints, Drew Brees has been one of the most durable quarterbacks. He's been pretty much right up there with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, and he got hit on his right thumb by Aaron right. Donald. Yeah. Did the Saints go into the game thinking... We're going to now lose Drew Brees for potentially six weeks? No, absolutely not. But the one thing I do want, I hope it does happen, that now that the switch has been made, that you you know they're going to stick with this. Oh, 100%. So, so I want, Injury would be the only circumstance, There's no Jeff, question. And in I, which a change would And occur I don't again. want that to happen because I want those 14 weeks for him to, yeah. to learn and get to know the National Football League and learn about playing on Sundays, okay, that what it's like because this it's invaluable. I'm telling you, those 14 weeks – Going into next year will only help help things. You know, if you're going to put Daniel Jones' spot play for this season, yeah, he's going to get a little bit of experience, but it's really not what you're going to need to get a full sample size of what we feel like he can play next year. This is your sample size for 14 weeks. You're going to get it. Yeah, I think which you, is about equivalent to a season. It's a, totally. It really is. So yep. it will help him in the long run. That's the big yep. part of the decision to make the change, too. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Right, Hi, Scott. Scott. Um, I may be contrary to a lot of the calls. I live in the here and now. I'm really not interested in what the Giants do three years from today. I'd like to see them win now, and I think they have the players to do it. And that is the goal. And I think the culpability rests with the coaches. And let me explain why. I don't know if any of you had a chance to watch the Pittsburgh-Seattle game, but uh, Mason Rudolph made his uh, debut as quarterback. And he played, uh, I thought, exceptionally well for a rookie quarterback. And I think Daniel Jones should be given the say. I, I know he, he might make mistakes, but there's no reason to say that he's going to not be able to play effectively if he's put in the right positions to do so. And I feel the same thing about some of the other players. Uh, there was a play in the game on uh, Sunday. I don't know if you remember it, the Lattimore catch where Micah Hyde, the safety from Buffalo, uh, I guess basically separated him from the from the football. You talk about that was Benny Fowler. You talk about ben on the Fowler, right sideline. Yes, Hyde had the hard hit. Fowler initially caught the ball and then it popped out after he took the hit from Hyde. Right. Yes. Exactly. And I'm wondering, can you name a player on the defensive side that had a similar hit in the first two games? And this is what bothers me. There doesn't seem to be a veracity of uh, defensive play, and I'm talking about across the board, where you, ha- where you can say somebody like Micah Hyde on, on the Giants team actually hit a player and did the exact same thing. I can't think of a circumstance that existed like that, and you need that on a team. And sort of Janoris Jenkins and his, um, you know, his diatribe to the press sort of uh, initiated some of that and said, you know, we need to, to put more veracity into the team. So as you move forward towards Tampa Bay, what are the schematics that you have to change to put that veracity into the team? 
Well, I think, first of all, guys have to be in the right position based on what the defensive play call calls them to do. You know, you, you talked about Micah Hyde made the big play. You haven't seen somebody in the Giants. Well, Micah Hyde was in position to make that play, Scott, Correct. in fairness. And that's my point, Lance. Well, so, so, is, so, it, is it a schematic thing? Are we not putting players in the right position? Because we have players. The question is, we're not, they seem to be underutilized or not utilized at all or making uh, a variance of mistakes. And I'm trying to figure out whether it's them or the coaching staff. I think it's both. I think it's both. I really okay. do. I really do. I think it's both. I think that the players are, are, are out of position for both themselves and some of the schemes that, and, and calls that they're making on the field. I okay. said this earlier. I, I, I think that you got to break it down. If you're a coach and you understand your personnel and they're not making plays, you have to change. You got to be a chameleon. You got to adapt, right? So, so let's, and okay, so I, I just think I'm, and my philosophy is this that this, uh, whoops, I just hit something down. Your there. philosophy is to be very passionate. <laughs> yes. There's as you a speak. wires That's your underneath philosophy. here, Scott. Yes. We have to watch for <laughs> But my point is, is that if, they're, if it's too complex, which I think it is right now for these guys, then just let's just kind of take a step back and simplify it a little bit and then take baby steps back up to where eventually we can play in that, con- but, that But Jeff, uh, James Betcher's claim to fame uh, when he was in his, uh, you know, in his heyday, uh, he was blitzing 44% of the time. That means almost half of the time he was forming one sort of blitz or another. And that had an effect. If you don't have the exceptional pass rush that you maybe had in Arizona, but you have confidence in maybe doing things a little differently, can't you do the same thing if, you, if you're not getting home with the four guys that you have up front? Yeah, but your four guys up front were not the four guys that were in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, the you personnel said, is very right. different. No, I, no, I, I, I acknowledge that, but I'm saying what do you need to do to really sort of, I don't know, uh, put put the fear of God, I guess, into the defense and say, hey, this is what you have to do. Because right now they're allowing 31 points. You already addressed nine touchdowns. That's unacceptable. Well, of course, what Scott. Is, I mean, that's stating the obvious. What are doing well, but, to, well, to well, counter but, that? Well, but first of all, anybody who has an NFL uniform, and Jeff could speak to this better than I can, if you think that James Betcher needs to go in front of the defense and tell the guys, guys, if you don't start playing better – there's going to be heads that are going to starting to roll, and we're going to make changes. Right. I think they have the writing on the wall that they realize if we continue to give up nine touchdowns every two games, some guys are not going to be on the roster anymore, and they're going to make personnel changes. So I think the motivation is there. As far as you know, what can be done, I think you've got to be careful if you're James Betcher, because to Jeff's point, you don't have Chandler Jones. You don't have a lot of the key playmakers out in Arizona. Case in point, I don't know if you saw the Eagles-Falcons game on Sunday Night Football. I did. Okay. I did. All right, so let's use this. Jim Schwartz has really good personnel up front. The Eagles have some injuries, but he's got playmakers. He's got proven commodities. If you saw what Jim Schwartz did, he brought the house, Scott, on that last play. And what did Matt Ryan do? Matt Ryan dumped it off to Julio Jones on a screen, and they ran past the entire defense. So when you are ultra-aggressive, you've got to be careful because then it's going to come back to bite you. So I'm sure James Betcher is trying to walk the fine line of if I bring the Wolves and then they just counter it, Jameis Winston dumps it off to Peyton Barber, right. we're in trouble if we have nobody on the back end and then we're just going to give up another big play. Yeah, so tough. you got to be careful under those circumstances. Yeah, I think okay. you just got to simplify yeah. your defense and go out and play what you, you know, keep your game plan to a sense that let's let's rush the passer, let's cover the receivers, let's stop the run, and then let's get a little bit creative with some of our, our situational defense, right? If they're in second and long, maybe that's a time when you can bring some blitz, okay? But, okay. you know, just, yeah. 
And Scott, okay. listen. We'll, we'll, I have one more point. Real and then quick. I'm going to yeah. get off the yeah. air. Uh, I didn't understand the move. Maybe you could explain it. Uh, they picked up another tight end, but they waived Paul Perkins. And I was wondering, doesn't that really put the uh, sort of the kibosh on any kind of depth for the running back position? I was just curious what your opinions well, were on that move. Okay. And yes. I'll take questions off the well, air. Well, I appreciate you, the call, you got, Scott. You got, Thanks for you got two of them, right? I mean, the. the, the uh, it's it, it are both of them going to get hurt? I, you never know, right? But I mean, the fact is, is that you can get through the game with two, and if one of them does get hurt, you can always go to the next week and get another one, right? But I think that the tight end situation, there's something behind that. There's there's something going on there. Why why do they why are they bringing these tight end in? Okay, well we all know this, and, and you kind of alluded to it. If if you're not doing your job, we're going to find somebody that's better. Okay, so obviously the guy that came in from San Francisco, they feel is better than the other guy that they have here. Okay, and so there's kind of the change in the guard at certain positions. Gettleman will tell you, even Pat Shermer will tell you, we're always trying to improve our roster. And if you're, if there's a guy out there that we feel is better, that can make us better, we're going to go get him. They're going to claim him, and they're going to bring him in. Okay. They also have two running backs on the practice squad in John yeah, so Hillerman and Austin Walters. So, I yeah. mean, as far as Scott's point about point. the depth, yeah. you call up the guys. You call as they the guy hurt. next week. They're going to get through the game. Okay. Because, by the way, um, Eli Penny is a running back. He can play running he back. He can be too. used in both positions. So, yeah. you don't have to worry about that immediately. Yeah. You could worry about it the next week and you have guys on the, on the practice squad that you can make a uh, transaction. All right. We got a few minutes left. We're yes. up against the clock. I want to try to squeeze in as many calls. So, as we go to you, we're going to give you an opportunity, but you got to make your points quick because we want to try to squeeze everybody in. We'll start with Steve in Texas. Steve, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? Hi, guys. Appreciate the show. Lifelong yep. Giants fan down here in enemy territory. I watch a lot of sports shows, and it's something I'd like you guys to comment on, and I'll hang up. Sure. What do you think the implications are that over the last 10 years or so that their number one draft picks are no longer on the team? About 50% of the number one draft picks are no longer on the team. My point being in the sense of making a sustainable support staff team of quality people, some of their choices aren't there. How much culpability does the management have? Uh, for some uh, draft pick misses, and thanks for everything you do. And thanks for the call, Steve. Appreciate you weighing in. I think they have a lot. Huge. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, it's not an easy science. If you go back and look at over the last 10 years of first down draft picks, I mean, is the number 50% that are, I mean, it's, well, it's you got to go before Evan Ingram. 2016, Eli Apple. 15, Eric Flowers. 14, Beckham. But Beckham was a great pick. Yeah. They just obviously yeah. decided to move on from him. 13, Justin Pugh. 12, David Wilson. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Prince of Mucamara, 11. He battled injuries during his Giants tenure. And 2010 was JPP. Now, JPP was a solid player, dealt with injuries. But once again, the unfortunate hand injury. You know, mixed results. But yeah. the misses and the fact that they weren't able to have them sustain consistency on the roster is, yes, it's a huge part of how you build a team. It's through the draft. When that doesn't work, it could come back to bite you. I think a better question, and that's a good, that's a great question. The better one was how many of those guys actually got a second contract? I mean, there's where you start to really look at the, how important those guys are to your team, that they, did, that they got a second contract. Well, Odell is the only one, and it was brief. After he got the second contract, yeah. they traded him. Yeah, that's so, no, I think that's a, a fair point. And, and real quickly, just to show a means of comparison – because the Cowboys parted ways with Taco Charlton. Their recent first-round pick the other day, the Cowboys, 2013, Travis Frederick, 14, Zach Martin, 15, Byron Jones, 16, Zeke, 18, Leighton Van Der Esch. So, you know, a huge nice. difference. When you get home runs in the first round, Jeff, yeah. 
it and, does and, wonders. And, and there's a slew of guys there that got their second contracts. 100%. So there, I think that, to my point, is if you really look at that, how good those draft picks are is how much you can retain them because they're good players. I mean, a lot of the yeah. other guys, I mean, uh, they just never wanted to re-sign them because they cut them or let them go or traded them. The goal when you draft a guy is you want to have him make it easy for you to give him a second contract. That's, That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Let's try to squeeze in one more caller. We got Jeff... In Rhode Island, Jeff, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Yeah, hi guys, how you doing today? Good, um, hi, Jeff. Look at uh, this giant defense. Uh, <laughs> they might uh, ruin uh, Jones's whole uh, year as playing quarterback for us this year. The defense is awful. They don't have one playmaker on on the defense as of right now, as of today. Mm-hmm. The kids go. He's got one guy to throw to, the tight end. He's got a damn good running back. This defense is awful, Lance. You, you, I told you this going back to way before training camp started. Oh, Jeff, we all talk Jeff, we, were, we all talked about it, Jeff. To the Jeff, we all talked no about horses, it. No playmakers. Jeff, we all this talked about it in the offseason, in fairness. Okay. We all talked about the fact that the defense, and appreciate the phone call. We all talked about, Jeff, how many conversations did you and I, did I read the sack numbers over the course of everybody's yeah, of course career? So. Did we talk about how there were a lot of questions on this defense and that the defense was going to be dictating the ceiling of this team? So, in fairness, we delved into that in great length all offseason. And we also, you know what we also talked about? And I talked about this with you, and I said it on this year, on the air. And I'm not saying that I'm right about everything I say, but we talked about this. The only way that Daniel Jones was going to get in that lineup this year is if the defense get, if the defense played like they did, okay, which they have, or De- or Eli Manning got hurt. Yeah. And that's exactly what we knew was going to happen, okay. Mr. Mara said, "I hope I don't see Daniel Jones." That means Eli Manning's playing good and the team is playing well. That's not the case. Balance. Balance. Yeah. That's and it. that's also based on. What you just said that John Mara mentioned to the media is also an indication, Jeff, of you go in with one plan, then all of a sudden the results go in a complete opposite direction, and plans change, and that's why we're in week three, and already a quarterback change was made. Improvise and adjust. What you got to do. It's the nature of the NFL. It's a week-to-week league. With that being said, that is going to wrap up our program. Certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Big Blue Kickoff Live up and running again tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Giants Bucks Sunday. Jeff and I will be setting the tone in the pregame. Correct. And we're going to be at local NYC on the corner of 8th Avenue and 33rd Street spot. across from Madison Square Garden. We're going to be there for the remainder of the quarter of the season. The next three games will be at that location. So feel free to stop by if you're in the New York City area. Three away games. What's the that? next three away games, correct. Yes. Yes, the remainder of the quarter of the yeah. road season, okay? Road season. We will continue to clarify <laughs> those words in greater detail because our production staff is very high maintenance and they don't like the words that are coming out of my mouth. What better way to end the program than yeah, hearing feedback instantaneous from them? Is there anything else you'd like me to clarify before we wrap up the show or do we have the green light? With we that being said, yes. Jeff, always a pleasure. Yes, Lance. See you Sunday. Sounds good. Enjoy the rest of your day and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.